Dopamine swipe, dopamine, dopamine swipe. Follow us, likes, double tap. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the 817 Podcast. I am Jimmy here with my co-host, EJ, where we talk everything about the city of Fort Worth, Tarrant County, and the greater DFW Metroplex, from news and politics to culture, business, trends. If it's happening here, we're talking about it. How are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling good, man. We had the, uh, me and my wife, we went to that uh, amphibian theater play spaceman it was good uh, but then we tried to do a bunch of other things and everywhere was popping and so we were like we just going home i mean it was popping outside this weekend so, yeah we did a little uh staycation last night we had a, a free night reward that we needed to use that was going to expire at the end of the month so we stayed at the kimpton harper and we walked to all the places that you couldn't get into but uh, we <laughs> were early birds so we we were able to find a spot <laughs> we, we were in and out before all the cool kids came out yeah well you know um with this with this pod you know the cool kids had their uh cool kid shenanigans we had uh, downtown inc had their breakfast uh luncheon awards talking about how great downtown is and then visit fort worth did their annual brunch where they talk about how great fort worth tourism is and so really i think this episode is all about um you know the balance between great you know us saying hey fort worth is great this is kind of the year this is kind of the time of the year where they do this and then it fits conveniently with the fort worth report did a panel called the fort worth way did you see that i did and uh you know, we're lucky enough, like, that's something that would have been perfect for us to recap. And we've had Dante on the show before. We've had Jennifer on the show before. Uh, but we got to sit down and talk to Alex Jimenez, who was the fourth person on the panel, including uh, former Mayor Betsy Price. So that's our, our big story today is talking with Alex about the Fort Worth way, kind of breaking down what that panel looked like. Um, so we'll do our normal two or three short stories, followed by our conversation with Alex Jimenez as the big story. Cool. So the first um, story of the week, the first uh, short story that really kind of came out was that the Fort Worth Chamber of Commerce CEO steps down. Brandon Gingelbach is step stepped down as Fort Worth Chamber. Uh, Mike Berry, who was on the board and pretty much honestly funding the Chamber of Commerce, he is now going to play interim CEO. To me, this is a exciting change. I think personally, you know, I feel like chambers are out of date, the way they do them, the way they approach cities. Um, if Mike Berry is going to be involved, um, if, if he can do something like he did in Alliance in the 820 loop um i mean we're, we're getting it directly from the expert and the and the and the powers at play who who pulled it off an alliance he is now um playing interim at the chamber of commerce in downtown fort worth uh what was your take when you saw this story and uh thoughts and concerns yeah i mean this is a, a pretty big like bomb that just kind of dropped out of nowhere you know nobody really knew that this was coming uh, he made the decision on his own and just said uh, it's time to step back. So I I don't have as big of a, an opinion on Chamber of Commerces as you do because I feel like I'm with the majority of people that look at them and go, "What do you guys do anything? Like, what do you do? Um, so I definitely think it's intriguing if Mike Barry does continue as the permanent person in this role to see how the 
alliance effect comes into the 820 loop um but yeah more than anything it was just a a big surprise for everyone this week yeah and uh we'll, we'll see what happens but yeah i think the 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 um they're going to search for a nationwide search replace for Gingelbach because obviously Mike Berry is the president of Hillwood um, and and has a lot to do. So, But I hope that it's someone who um, can help the 820 loop catch up with the Lions. Mm. And I feel like they should be thoughtful on that. Um, I, I felt like there was a quote in here. I'm trying to say who, who quoted it. They called... Um, they called him like a cheerleader. I mean, he did a great job as a tireless cheerleader and advocate for Fort Worth said, um, Charlie Campbell, vice chair of chambers, executive board and senior vice president of finance and administration at Hillwood. Um, that, that, that's the kicker. You, you don't really, I feel like want a cheerleader at the chamber of commerce. You want a builder, mm. someone who is, has the acumen and experience. And I think ultimately, um, uh, the issue with this is this like our CEO president was a tall, white, you know, handsome, likable young guy who can like make people feel welcome in Fort Worth, but strategically have the experience of running large businesses, strategically doing those kind of things. Um, unfortunately, our chamber was still is one of the things that I felt like felt like little town Fort Worth. And so maybe this allows us to put some pressure on setting up a greater i mean we talk about the greater business hispanic chamber when we talk to alex jimenez maybe fort worth maybe there should be a fort worth alliance greater fort worth chamber and it comes one Mm. between alliance and downtown and like we create that bridge and like maybe that's what the city needs is a greater fort worth chamber of commerce that brings more of the businesses together rather than you have the downtown guys you didn't have the alliance guys and you also have to know our economic development department with robert stearns and that team they also are trying to be very more proactive and trying to get recruits with um their campaign right Mm -hmm. so they will ideally probably want more of a frisco model where they can have their own entity like visit fort worth so i don't know how that plays into it like all these players play into that and i'm excited to see how it goes Well, let's move on to talking more about downtown, and uh, we'll start with talking about the new city hall. Um, So, Fort Worth bought the Pier 1 building, and it is adding an addition for the new city hall chambers. Um, What was now supposed to cost a hundred million is going to cost 150 million like it just feels like the cost of this is kind of going out of control um what's your take on where this is going um i i guess for me it's it's we're, we're here now right we're here i think it also shows the other challenges like it's not like a it's not like a company is going to come in and live in it so it's like we we have to feed ourselves in a way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and that's often what our leadership is. It's we just kind of feed ourselves to sustain the show momentum. But once you see, right, we actually um, don't have we need to raise the money to actually make the renovations possible. It did say we're growing the number of employees. I think they said something around looking at the slide deck here. They're talking about how we grew from 900 employees going to be involved to an additional um, I want to say it was upwards of 
1200 to 16 uh to 1600 employees are going to fit into it so there were some 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 reasons around it uh i think other people were were disappointed in the parking like you know Mm -hmm. adding another parking lot um so you know being car centric rather than um rail centric like why didn't you make an investment to maybe have a stop there Mm -hmm. by you know city you know how cool it would be if we had a rail system that stopped and dropped off right there i mean that would be really cool for a lot of um people who work there or need to get to the city hall mm-hmm. um they're expanding they're expanding the actual city hall chamber um but yeah that's kind of that's kind of where i am at, at it i mean like it's probably funny because we use the conservative stint on things we don't want to spend money on yeah that's my thought with it too is when it comes to Jared Williams proposing something to help out our teenagers when it comes to proposing things to invest in the city, when it comes to building new middle school gyms and making middle schoolers feel valued. It's this conversation of fiscal responsibility and eh, like, I don't know uh, if that makes sense. Is that what we want to spend money on? But then when it comes to a, new city hall it's like oh like this is double what it was supposed to like okay let's you know borrow some money and be on our way it it j- there's just a lot of cognitive dissonance for me there um and we're investing in th- things to me that have less bang for their buck than actually investing in the community and seeing the outcomes of people feeling like they're heard valued known uh so yeah, it's just a lot of cognitive dissonance for me when I, I see numbers like this coming up. Yeah. Um, well, let's go ahead and keep moving moving into this kind of pace. You know, we, we also have uh, Visit Fort Worth had their event last uh, last week. Um, and it's kind of their classic brunch where it's like, hey, Fort Worth is doing great. Um you know, selling, selling, selling the spirit to the, to the already evangelists say, Hey, we're doing great Fort Worth. We're doing great. Um, so Fort Worth saw 10.8 million visitors in 2022 with tourism generating more than $3 billion, the highest amount of economic impact from hospitality the city has ever seen. Uh, visit Fort Worth shared these figures Friday during its annual meeting, um, attended by more than 950 civic business leaders, uh, CEO Bob Jamison discussed the power of economic engine that tourism record-breaking visitor rates and soaring economic impact on Fort Worth um, directly spent $105 million during their stay, uh, 25% increase compared to the previous year, which we know we ha- was the pandemic. This is what I thought was really interesting. The economic impasse also included $125 million in local tax revenue, meaning without tourism, the average homeowner would have to pay an additional 700 in property tax each year. Um, tourism also provides more than 30,000 hospitality jobs in the city. Um, what is your take on these numbers and what you're seeing here? Obviously they're talking about the fourth convention center expanding. Uh, once that expands, that means, uh, interest is also going to expand. Hotels are expanding here. So again, they, they, it seems like we're, we're, we're talking and celebrating where we're headed. Um, you stayed downtown this weekend and had a staycation. What is your take? I mean, so like two pronged thought here. First is that these numbers are better than we've ever done. 
So like that, that's a good thing. We're putting in inputs. We're seeing an output that is better than what it has been in the past. Like that's great. Uh, you know, I, once I saw those numbers tweeted, just started doing some Googling of like, let's compare ourselves to other cities or places that we could aspire to being. Um, so like Denver, 31 million visitors, uh, last year. That's three times as many as Fort Worth had. <laughs> Granted, you have mountains and, uh, you know, cool, really cool nature to look at. I don't even want to drop the figure of like Nashville, you know, like when we say that we're tr looking at like a Nashville, Atlanta, like similarly sized cities to try and compare ourselves to like this isn't we're not holding a candle to them like we are playing single or double a baseball. We're playing we're playing against the Savannah Bananas and like <laughs> we're not close to the major leagues yet, which is fine like. Fort Worth couldn't handle that level of tourism at this point. Um, so it is a cool thing that we are doing better than we have ever done before. Uh, but also we need to step out of the echo chamber of look at how great we're doing and actually look at places that we should city size wise compare ourselves to and see, okay, how do we get there? What do we need to do to grow to that level in a responsible way? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, what no. did you think? I, you know, I, 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 you, what you're laying down makes a lot of sense. I, again, I don't think we're, I don't think we're doing Fort Worth terribly wrong. I, I like the people who do it. I feel like we're working hard. Um, it just keeps going with. I mean, did you not see the unexpected city stuff? Like, yeah. I mean, what's like, your What's your take on the unexpected city? If you missed the video, there's a, a new well, yeah. um, tagline for Fort Worth, a new marketing campaign, and it is based on a an audio done by Patrick Stewart uh, like forty or fifty years ago. Uh, honestly, it's really cool that they have like remastered that audio. That it's something that he termed Fort Worth as. It's obviously very niche, um, but that's the new tagline. I, I really, uh, the production on the, the video is great, um, but let's talk about the brand of the unexpected city. Yeah, I uh, I mean, what's funny is they're like, okay, we're, we're doing a good job. We're not calling ourselves Cowtown anymore, but it's anytime when we don't call ourselves Cowtown, it's like, okay, let's show all the Texas culture that we could possibly can. So it was like, like kind of what you said off mic. It's like, why would you show all the expected stuff on an unexpected city commercial? Right. That's the, <laughs> like, I, there was something just like a little bit off putting about it to me. And eventually as I thought about it more and more, I was like, that, that is it, that you're going to brand us as the unexpected city, but in the marketing promo, you're going to only include the things that if somebody Googled what to do in Fort Worth for a weekend would come up like first and second, like bunch of rodeo stuff, bunch of stockyard stuff, some museums, the museums and that's it. And it, it's I, like, I don't dislike inherently the unexpected city, but that video doesn't tell the story of an unexpected city that video tells a story of Cowtown or 
maybe modern West. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the that's the that's like what you, exactly what you're saying. It's it's just if you ask people what they think of Fort Worth, you said everything that they would expect it to be. Like there was nothing around net new uh, identities, and that's always my my stick with how we market the city is that we're we're obsessed with the cowboy culture and we're obsessed with believing that 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 y'all means all but you just got to look at the the real underlining messages of of cowboy culture and and I just think cowboy culture um isn't about black progress it isn't about brown co- progress it isn't it and, and I'm saying the image of cowboy culture in Fort Worth. Sure, if there's a lot of history of Mexican cowboys, black cowboys, but how it's positioned here in Fort Worth, it just is aligned with the Republican agenda of wanting to keep Fort Worth red. And we spend all these dollars to keep it. And now we make these cute little commercials of a black kid, a little black kid watching a white cowboy run around in an arena. Because we're trying to be the Mercedes where we're trying to market to kids at 8 to 10 to 12 years old so that Fort Worth stays the same and that it stays kind of slow, cowboy, conservative. Um, and I think I think instead of investing all this money to have people see themselves as cowboys, they need a, we need to start investing this money on seeing cowboys in other places that are more equitable, right? Cowboys for a Tatiana Jefferson Cowboys for Democrats, right? How cool would that be? You know, Cowboys for LGBTQ education in schools, right? These, if you want to invest in making cowboy culture more relevant in Fort Worth, amplify and modernize your Cowboys Mm. because I know what they all actually mean. Like I know what they're probably voting. Like I know what they probably believe and why would I ever want to uplift that? Yeah, I I think I'm interested, like I assume that this uh, campaign comes out of the partnership that we have with uh, that marketing agency that we talked about, what, five, six months ago now. Um, I'm interested to know what like the focus group feedback was for this or versus uh, maybe some other taglines because to me... Uh, a name like the unexpected city needs some explanation. There's not, you don't just say that and someone goes, Oh yeah, the unexpected city. Like you need a couple paragraphs to explain what you mean by that. And that's where the like video advertising campaign is supposed to come in. But again, like I watch that and I'm like, that's, that's what I expect of Fort Worth. Uh, that was, yeah, that was very Fort Worth. Yeah, if I'm if I'm a prospective tourist, uh, you know, I'm trying to book an Airbnb. All of a sudden, they're uh, shut down. I get a note from my owner that says, "Hey, sorry, like all Airbnbs are illegal in Fort Worth. Mine got shut down, so I have to cancel your booking." You're like, "It happened oh, une- unexpected." That was unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they don't want me to travel there. Uh, uh, you know, I I just think that there is a lot of really cool bar scene. There's great food scene. Uh, there's great music scene that could have been displayed in a promo video I, how, yeah. alongside the cow. Alongside but, but the how cowboys. dope would have unexpected video been? 
and there was no Cowboys, because that would have been very yeah. unexpected. Fort Worth would be like, all of us would be like, wow, this is very unexpected. Hey, you just promoted Fort Worth without mentioning a cowboy or a rancher or the stockyards? Here's Kendrick Lamar shooting his music video here, yeah. you know? Like, they're, the National Juneteenth Museum coming, you know? Like, all this stuff yeah. that, that's happening that, you know, doesn't need... Yeah, anyways, I mean, you, you we, this is a classic thing that, unfortunately to me, I think so many people are obsessed with it that we we will never get out of it. Yeah, and I, I think, like, you know, you go to... We've, we've drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah, you go to a meeting like this, and it, I, you cannot go to something like this and talk to someone without hear, eventually hearing the phrase, like, cowboys are cool, everyone wants to be a cowboy. And I just, like, promise you that that's not true. <laughs> As someone who, like, didn't grow up here and uh, did not care about cowboys, <laughs> and, and even, like... uh. I'll dip into like theme park history, like expanding globally. Um, Disney, Universal, immersive parks like that that have gone international, like they do away with their American West themed lands in a number of international markets because that's not something that resonates with people. Like they don't care about cowboys. Yeah. So if we're trying to appeal to the international visitor, uh, even if we're trying to appeal to like the California visitor, I just don't think that outside of Fort Worth, people think cowboys are that cool. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, you know, again, like I, I really, I liked the production of the video. I could see the story that they were trying to tell with it. Um, but it just maybe didn't like fit with the unexpected city for me. Yeah. Well, um, let's go ahead and dive into our big story. Our big story, um, Fort Worth Report last week did a Fort Worth Way panel, and over 200 people showed up for the Fort Worth Way panel. It was at 7.30 a.m., and so that means there was a thirst to talk about the Fort Worth Way. And the Fort Worth Way, I don't know what it is to you, Jimmy, but the Fort Worth Way is basically uh, the old powers at play who's been here since it was a small town and has influence and has their culture. And now that we're a booming city and growing, they are still in power and still operating in closed doors as if we're a small town. Um, So the Fort Worth Way panel had Mayor Betsy Price, uh, a friend of the pod, Dante Williams at Community Frontline, and uh, Director of Leadership Fort Worth, uh, who was also a friend of the pod, uh, Jennifer Trevino. Uh, but today's guest, we get another one from the panel. And the reason why we were so excited to have him is he was, to me, in my opinion, the spotlight of the panel, because maybe I knew the other three's narrative. He was new to me. He was fresh. He shared a lot of opinions. And so we found a way to get a hold of him. And so Alex Jimenez is our guest today to talk about the Fort Worth way. He's lived in East Fort Worth for 40 years. He was the vice president at TXU uh, Corporation uh, and has spent ton, tons of time on different boards, different political campaigns. Uh, he was one of the only, he's the only person to have served as chairman of both the Fort Worth Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the Greater Dallas Chamber of Commerce. Um, he's also on the board for Rocketship Public Schools. Uh, and he also was the chairman of Fort Worth Housing Authority Board, which you will also discuss. And in this pod, he also endorses someone for District 11. So if you're a District 11 person, which in my opinion is one of the most exciting uh, positions going on this year because it's the most full of, of of candidates. So you get to hear that as well. So here's Mr. Jimenez. 
my Fort Worth story is that since I was a kid, I, I grew up in a little town called Eastland, Texas. It's uh, between here and Abilene, Texas. And we would come visit folks in uh, Dallas that my mother knew. And um, I would always be impressed driving in from the uh, west, and I'd see the outline of uh, the city. And I always wanted to live here. Um, when I graduated from high school, I was 17 years old um, and went to work. Uh, I graduated on Friday night, and Monday morning I was digging hoes for the electric utility company. Mm-hmm. And that was my job. And then I, I started going to college. And uh, the headquarters at the time was called Texas Electric, was in Fort Worth. So my goal was to do whatever it took to get to Fort Worth. And finally did, taking a lot of uh, – uh, educational leaves of absence to go to college. I worked in Eastland, Snyder, Texas. Finally got here, and I met a gentleman called uh, Kent Hans, who was going to run for U.S. Senate. And I told him out in West Texas, I'm going to be moving to Fort Worth, and I want to help you. And two weeks after I got here, uh, I contacted his uh, manager, and uh, he happened to be flying in to meet him that morning. And I went out and met him, and I got real active uh, working. I told the gentleman, you be the brains, I'll be the arms and legs. You tell me what needs to be done. And I did the, everything from setting up phone bags, putting yard signs, getting volunteers, licking stamp envelopes, the whole bit. And I got him in a runoff, but he didn't make it. But since then, I've worked or volunteered on uh, – over probably 70 campaigns, political campaigns. But I, I, I'm not, I call myself independent. And I will work on Republican campaigns and Democrat campaigns. It's, it's what that person's heart is that I look at. It's, it's what, where are they coming from? And, and if they align with me, I, I will certainly work for them. For example, if you remember when Kay Bailey Hutchinson ran for governor, uh, I'd met her. Uh, several times uh, I'd go to events in D.C., things like that, when I was working for TXU Corporation and um, told her, if you ever run for governor, I'll help you. Well, one day she called me and said, hey, I'm going to run for governor. Can, will you help me? I said, yes, ma'am. And, and my role with her was going around, especially to South Texas, and introducing her to folks in the Latino community down there. Um, and then... Uh, four years later, I guess, uh, Wendy Davis ran for governor, and she called me and asked for my help, and I, I uh, introduced her when she announced for governor and tried to help her. Um, uh, I didn't say I always won. <laughs> Those two ladies lost. But I do, I, it, and it doesn't matter to me. If I feel there's a good person there, I'll do what I can to help them. So when I got here, Finally, I was 24 years old, happy, having a great time, enjoying everybody, um, working on campaigns, loving the company, and um, I just started getting more and more involved. And I would recommend that to young people. If you really want to get to know the city and get to know people, work, volunteer on political campaigns, all kinds, city council, school board, etc. And um, I... Uh, found a house in East Fort Worth, and like I said, I've been here about 40 years, and, and over time, you know, like Dante said on that panel, 
that uh, he hasn't seen as much uh, things change. But what I have seen is that there's been a degradation in East Fort Worth. You know, it is a little more vibrant 40 years ago, uh, but people started moving out. And as people moved out, uh, they uh, moved to the west side. Uh, the west side has, has become more vibrant uh, in the last 40 years. Of course, uh, Alliance Airport up north has come alive. And, you know, there, there's out in that area, it's probably as big as what Fort Worth was when I first moved here. Mm-hmm. And population-wise, and, and, and over the, um, during that time period, I worked here, loved it, served on several boards and commissions. And then uh, the, I was uh, elected vice president of the company, but the job was in Dallas. So I commuted to Dallas for 12 years and then had the opportunity at 51 uh, to uh, basically uh, walk away. And they offered a voluntary severance. And, and I felt that my heart and, and watching my mother and sisters and what they older, they were older than me. And especially my mother watching what she did, even in Eastland, of helping others. I felt like that was something I probably needed to do more of and um, took that severance and have been out here in mm-hmm. East Fort Worth just trying to bring attention that we really need to uh, bring economic development to the East Side. We need to help with the education, the, the, especially the elementary schools, the middle schools to give, give these kids a chance in life. Because if you can't read, you're screwed for the rest of your life. If you can't read at grade level, you, you're not going to do as well as you can be. And um, so that's kind of what I've been doing the last few years is just trying to, to bring attention. And um, when you do that, sometimes you step on toes and, and uh, people put you in the box. But I learned a long time ago that no one can put you in the box unless you let them. So yeah. I, guess, I guess that's my Fort Worth story. Uh, that's great. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, tell it. So this week you were on the Fort Worth Reports panel about the Fort Worth way. Um, can you tell us about that panel, how you got involved in it? What What was your expectation going into it? And uh, what do you feel like came out of it? I get, as a, you know, I volunteer a lot in different areas. I know a lot of people. I've been blessed. Um, for, I always tell people that I think God has just, is just pushing me along the way to it. He, he knows what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, I just haven't figured it out yet, but I will. Um, and I've met a lot of different people. You know, I, I, I've, I've worked with uh, all the all the mayors on their campaigns uh, since I've been here. Uh, I've worked on a lot of different. I have good friends that I met when I first came here, working on those elections, um, and they are all out there doing uh, good work. and And I help them, and I get introduced to other people by them. Uh, I, I met the publisher publisher CEO. Uh, the fourth report uh, not long after he moved here. And in fact, I was on a focus group when they were, uh, the folks that brought them in were talking about it and they wanted to know 
what we thought about the current publications and how the news was getting out. And then uh, when I met Chris, um, he and I talked, uh, we visited, and, and we've shared thoughts. And he just called one day, asked if I would do it. And I said, are you sure you want me to do it? Because uh, I, I, I'm not very filtered. I'll kind of <laughs> say what I need to say. And, um, and But that's the way growing up in a small town. And, and, and if, you, if you were six, seven, eight years old, my father died when I was six. And I was basically the spokesperson for my family. And so since I'm six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, uh, and now uh, they still call me when they need something and there's a problem, they want me to help them fix it. Uh, but when you're that young and you're going to, and even though Eastland was a little town, uh, 3,500 people, you uh, go downtown by yourself because everybody else is working mm-hmm. and, and you kind of hold up the family's issue there. And I guess I had it in my heart that I couldn't leave there without getting what I came for mm-hmm. because my family depended on me. So that I, I, I still have that in me and I still, but now I, I still help my family, but I feel that my role what God has put me here for is to help those who do not have a voice because I've seen as when I was a chairman of the Fort Worth housing authority, I saw that I saw, you know, uh, we had 1200 units in public housing. We had 5,000 housing vouchers and and they were all vetted and, you know, they were all good people. They they just happened to be poor, Mm -hmm. but I hear, heard a lot of well-to-do people, in Fort Worth, we always refer to them as those people. And those people should get a job. Those people should do, not, be, not be lazy. And, and I would just listen to them. And when they got done, I said, well, what would you say if I told you that most of these folks did work? Now they're senior citizens. But they didn't work for a company like mine where I'm going to have retirement, pension, some perks. They were cleaning your house, mowing your yard, washing dishes at restaurants. And they'd say, well, well, we didn't know that. And again, the mouth in me would say, do you always talk about stuff you don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I don't. And, um, and that's why we came up with changing the face of public housing. You know, Dante talked about tearing down cattle. That was something we talked about back in the late 90s when Kay Granger was the mayor, and she asked me to serve on that board because she thought that nothing was getting done and there was a better way to help these residents. So my focus in everything I did on that board and what I preached to the staff, what the other commissioners, it's about the residents. It's got to be good for the residents. If it's not good for the residents, we don't do it. And then it's also got to be good for the city and it's got to be good for the housing authority. And I think if you kind of set those kind of goals, you usually go down the right path. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how uh, I got on the panel, I think. I still have that passion to help people, and I think Chris realizes that. And, again, I'm, I'm not here to make anybody unhappy or make them mad. I just want them to listen and to focus. Mm-hmm. 
before we get into problems that uh, like other cities do. I think we have the opportunity if we all would listen to each other. And if you were there, you heard me say that it's a two-way street. And to me, the two-way street means that we both got a, all these communities, you know, black, brown, Anglo, have got to come together. But we ought to come to the table that with our mindset is what can I do to change what I'm doing to help the situation? And, and, and because if you come in there and say you are the problem, you need to change, then the conversation is basically over. And I don't think we can get anywhere until we just sit and visit and talk openly and respectfully, respect everybody's opinion. What is, what is your, so, so break down your, your, how do you define the Fort Worth way and what is your biggest concern about the powers at play in the city of Fort Worth? Well, I think it's just that life is fast. We're growing so fast. And back in the day, Bob Boland, if you guys did not know him, when I first moved here, was the mayor. Bob Boland could walk into any community in this city at midnight, one in the morning, and people would there in those communities would take care of him because he was that kind of guy. Now, he was a bicycle salesman, so he, he was a good listener, and he would listen to people, and, and he respected people. And... um the end of the day, we were in, in those rooms. You know, I was a young man back then. I, I was on, on boards commissions, and I would sit with the mayor, the police chief. You know, we had, back in the day, we had some kind of ethics commission, and I remember Estel Vance, who was the partner at County Hangar, um, and he had, I had helped him uh, get elected to city council, and I was on that committee. And, and we were talking about it, and the police chief, Wyndham, was on the committee. And, and I said, well, we need to hold the chief accountable. <laughs> and I remember Estel Vance looking at me go, oh, man, you got guts. <laughs> I said, no, no, I mean, it, it's, we all got to be accountable. And, and that's what I tried to say the other day. We've got to hold all of us accountable for, for this. So back in the day, Viola Pitts and people like that were, were in those rooms when those kind of decisions were being made. And then I think because, and, and I believe that the folks, you know, the, the Maddie Parkers, the Chief Noakes, the Betsy Prices are, are good people. But I think they, they move so fast and, and we're all conditioned that the first people you go to is the people that you're very familiar with. And if you hear me talk, I ask people to come out to East Fort Worth, to Las Vegas Trail, to Diamond Hill. Come visit. Spend time so you will know the folks there because they're good people. And then hopefully you can add them to your um, Rolodex list, if you will. You, you could get to, you'll add more people and, and and it, it seemed like there was more inclusion back then, more collaboration. And then, um, you know, when I got promoted vice president, I go to Dallas for 12 years. I'd leave here at 630 in the morning, leave Dallas 7 o'clock at night. So I kind of I lost touch of some folks here. And when I got here back, when, when I left the company, 
it seemed like there was a different set of leaders, people that I didn't know, but I got to know them because I got right involved uh, at the end of the day. But then I saw that it was the same folks over and over again. I always tell people, if you, uh, if you guys have ever gone to the state of the city address that the downtown chamber puts on, mm-hmm. um, the end of the day, I've been to those. But it, it usually, you know, there's a thousand, twelve hundred people that show up, but it's the same nine hundred thousand people, nine hundred or a thousand people. So when you leave there, you think everything's okay, everything's fine. We're we're a great city, man. We're, we we just got to go home and just do nothing. Well, there, there's nine hundred ninety thousand more people out here <laughs> that that may not think like that. And all I'm asking. Anybody I talk to, come to the east side. Go to Diamond Hill. Go to Las Vegas Trail. See how people are living payday to payday. And one incident, be a sick person in the house, a broken down car, and it throws them for a loop. And desperation causes a lot of things um, that shouldn't be happening. But I think by bringing economic development to all parts of inside Loop A20, Improving the education system in inside Loop A Twenty, and when I say that, just focusing on kids reading, focus on them learning how to read, and when they can read, they can read anything, be anything they want to be, and they'll be successful. But um, we just seem to focus too much on other things in education. But if we focus on those economic development, education inside Loop A Twenty. I think you'll see a lot better city than, than anywhere else in, in the world if we could do that. Uh, what What's your take on how do you think we're doing with economic development in the 820 loop compared to the rest of the Metroplex? How, how do you feel like Fort Worth uh, proper is growing compared to everywhere else around us? Oh, I mean, I've, I've, I've been very vocal in meetings and I used to be asked to be on some committees. I'm not so much anymore, <laughs> but, but that's okay. Um, the, the, we spend a lot of time on the things that need the least amount of help mm. and don't spend any time on the things that we could really improve. We could get more bang for our butt. And, and give you an example. Uh, um, Alliance Airport. Now, they came into being Lakers, and, uh, and I was the area manager for TXU back then when they were buying it. And when Ross Jr. was buying all that property, in fact, when I was in chairing, um, when I got installed as chairman of the Fort Worth Spank Chamber, he was my keynote speaker. Uh, Jim Wright was there, was a speaker as well when that happened. <laughs> but they don't need the city's health, <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to do very well without the city, but it seems like, um, give you an example. There's two outlet malls. I don't know, maybe three to five miles apart mm-hmm. out there. And, and, um, they, one got, uh, 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 what do they call those? A, uh, incentive from the city. One got a $25 million incentive. The other one got a $30 million incentive up in the Lions Airport corridor. Mm-hmm. Hey, do we need two? 
outlet mall. <laughs> and then B, if, if you just took a little of that and focused it on East Fort Worth, uh, Las Vegas Trail, Diamond Hill, we, we could get a more bang for the buck. We, we could get some things. To, uh, I don't, we're not going to get a Facebook. We're not going to get a Toyota factory in East Fort Worth. But we could get something in Fort Worth that would be like the domino, just, just like West 7th. If you guys have ever been to West 7th Street, the one of our uh, commissioners on the housing authorities is Jim Harris. He's a very well-to-do, hard worker, um, and, um, and he'll he'll also tell you what he's thinking if you, if you ask him. But he uh, was on commission, and he was buying, after the tornado, they hit Montgomery Ward uh, boards in that area. He started buying up property because people started saying, oh, no, this is terrible. He bought that property, and he started fixing some of these things up. And then the domino fell. That, he was the domino. And then all that area around Fort Street, uh, Carroll, uh, West 7th, um, they, it, it just took off. Now, I, I say it just took off. It took them five or seven years uh, to start building that mass, uh, but people started flocking there. And I'm just saying we just get a couple of, of victories over here inside Loop A20. You'll start getting other folks to come. Now, there are people uh, that have must be listening because there are folks that are buying properties in East Fort Worth. And I think there'll be a day when we will get a lot done now. And I think the city is listening as well, because I don't know if y'all heard about they're They're talking about a mass transit mm -hmm. uh, system from downtown to uh, loop A 20 on Lancaster street. Yeah. And, and we need to help with that because that could spur economic, the way I, I honestly probably won't ever get on the bus because, <laughs> I like my car, and I never even valet when I go somewhere because when, when I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. Um, and the uh, But if we could do that and along that area, uh, do some economic development things with the help of whoever, um, I, I think you start seeing that come back. And if we focus on those kind of things, I think it helps everybody. It, it will make this city so much better than, than where we are today. Now, we're not a bad city, but we can be better. Yeah. Um, well, I believe you're now a part of the new District 11. Is that? Yeah. No. No, I'm, I'm in five. Five? Okay. In District 5. Well, what is your take on the upcoming election and uh, the importance of it um, now that we have the two additional districts? Well, uh I, I went to council meetings when they voted uh, the, the map, mm. and when they voted it, I, I, my comment to I don't I, I spoke to them and said that I wanted to thank them for doing that because I got here uh, and I've been working on the eighty census, the ninety census, the the ninety, the two thousand, the two thousand ten, two thousand twenty census. And there's a lot of Latinos that have passed, good men, Gilbert Garcia, Sam Garcia, folks like that, that tried to get another Latino opportunity district. And, and here we are, we finally have one. So 
in District 11, that's the one that's kind of been gerrymandered a little bit. It does look real funny, and it does bring different groups together, different neighborhoods. But that 59% of the voting population there is Latino. So I will support a Latina. And, and I've gotten an email from the folks over here. Uh, and that email basically asked me, they said I heard that I was looking for a Latino candidate to run in District 11. You're not in District 11, so you need to stay out of it. <laughs> uh, I haven't written it back because I don't do. Uh, and, but, you know, I've been told a lot of stuff in my life. And I don't, I, you, you don't fight back right away. The only way you win those is just go find a, candidate to run and get them elected and and that's what i plan to do so i'll be supporting jeanette pause uh, for that uh seat in 11 uh she'll be she kind of have a hemp hill area and and uh but she's got a good heart she's good people and i think she'll put Fort Worth first and i think that's what you know i'll i'll, I'll work my best to try to get her elected so i'm hopeful that we can get a Latino Latina voted into that district. Um, I know there's a lot of the Anglo community in that district, especially uh, east of uh, 35 that are uh, looking. In fact, that note I got said that they had put a coalition together on who to define a candidate for District 11. And, and I, I would bet money that that coalition was probably all Anglo. Um, um, same way about what we're talking about is it, not having a diverse group to, to make those kind of decisions. But anyway, I, I'm glad we have it. Uh, I think that it's important that we have representation on the council and also diversity. I mean, different opinions. You know, if, if you got... Uh, if you had seven Hispanic men on the uh, city council, if you had seven of them, that's probably five or four too many. <laughs> yeah, because basically they're probably going to have a lot of similar thought process. Maybe you need Latina, you need African Americans, uh, you need Anglo's, probably Asians of, of both genders. Uh, you just need variety. People who have different life experiences that are willing to work together, and I think it's a stronger team. Well, we are we're both District Eleven, so um, I love hearing your insight into that. Uh, even as a District Fiver, yeah. um, my last question: You have been the chairman of both the Fort Worth Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the Greater Dallas Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. So you've been in the thick of things on both sides of the Metroplex. Uh, to you, what what is your perception of the difference between the decision makers behind closed doors in Fort Worth and the Dallas decision makers? Oh, great question. Th thank you for asking that question. Um. You know, I served over here uh, uh, and uh, got to meet a lot of great people. Like uh, Majority Leader Jim Wright was our was a speaker when I got installed. Then um, uh, Ross Jr. Okay, 
then I get uh, promoted to vice president and commute to Dallas. Uh, the Hispanic Chamber asked me to serve on their board. I said, certainly, I'll do that. And, you know, I was on 12 or so boards and commissions in Dallas while I worked over there. And um, we we met the third Wednesday of the month, and it was June with my first board meeting. I One of the board members asked me to meet him for breakfast on July the 5th. I met him for breakfast, and he asked if I would run for chair of the Dallas Hispanic Chamber. I said, I've, I've been on the board two weeks. <laughs> that, it's not fair. I mean, there's 21 members. I mean, it, it's not fair for me to do that. We needed someone that's been there and been, been paying their due. Yeah, Alex, but you need to do it because we you've done the Fort Worth and you'd be a good one. Oh, hell, I'd be the best one you ever had, but it's still it's still not fair. Guys, you got other people there that have been on the board, you know, four or five years, and they've served on committees. Let one of them do it. I mean, I'll support them. And he uh, said, look, there's a guy on the board that's already threatened us to stay out of it. He wants to do it. He's, he's a dirty fighter. I said, well, you know what? You get what you get. Sometimes you get what you deserve. It, you need to stand up. Somebody needs to stand up. Well, after four or five more board members came to me, I said, I'll do whatever the board wants me to do. And they, the board nominated me to be the chair. And that man came up to me after that board meeting, and he said, does your CE know you're running for this? Because we're going to call him and tell him we don't appreciate he actually doing this and and, and we shouldn't have a corporate person on this board. And I said, you know what? And I pulled out my pad and wrote down the CEO's name and his direct line. And I said, well, here, here's his direct line. You call him and ask him what he thinks. Is I, I don't have to ask permission from anybody to do what I do. So, but let me know what he thinks. And um, and and I tell people that the difference between uh, being a chair at the Fort Worth Hispanic Chamber in Dallas is the Dallas Hispanic Chamber is as close to a contact sport as you can get to in civic service. Um, <laughs> the, the, it, it was tough, and, and, and there was people that came after me. But I said, I, I'm going to serve, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to help this chamber. and and, and you, But you vote however you want to. Uh, and uh, I, I got elected, and some of those people who really fought hard, and these are these are guys and ladies out there that are still fighting. They're still doing the same thing of, of advocating. Uh, they're probably not as angry as they were back then, <laughs> but they're still they're still doing it, and I respect them. And you know what? They're some of my closest friends now because they saw what I did and what I came with. They saw that I helped this chamber uh, and did everything I said I was going to do. And there's one of these ladies that is a pretty tough lady that I tell you, if, if I ever got in a bind, she'd be right behind me helping me, supporting me. So the difference is uh, when I got there, the, uh, the Hispanic chamber 
got to sit with the CEOs of industry in Dallas. They had put together a group that met for breakfast once a month to talk about relations in the communities, what needed to be looked at. And from there, I learned that Ron Kirk, you know, when he got elected mayor, uh, that this group got together and said, you know, we, we need to have a uh, person of color. It's time that Dallas does that for mayor. And they came up with Ron Kirk, who's an attorney, as y'all probably know. And they, um, one of the law firms that was in that meeting um, gave him a job. And then the, all those CEOs went to work to talk to Anglo community, community about him and support him. And some of them came back and said that so-and-so was really not really nice. About <laughs> There's no way we're going to vote, you know, what? Yeah. But it was, uh, but they did. And he worked for that law firm, but he, you know, he pretty worked at being mayor. Um, I, I, I don't, I've brought that idea up here in Fort Worth in, in business meetings, but, you know, it, it, it doesn't go anywhere. And, but part of the reason is the CEOs, uh, there's a lot more of them in Dallas. They are here. And, and, and I don't, I don't know if, if there is a group like that in here in Fort Worth. I've, I've never been at a, meeting of one of those type of groups when there was, you know, 15 or 20 CEOs around the table uh, talking openly about how we, how we could make Dallas better. Uh, there may be, but I, I've not seen it. And, and I, if they're listening to this, I, I hope they would consider looking at some of their employees uh, and encourage them to get involved as public servants to run for city council for school board. Because if you work for a corporation like like I did since I was 17, my first job was digging holes. It's where they set the poles up. But you learn a lot. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of thinking. You, there's a lot of planning. There's a lot of strategy. And um, I think, but uh, they need to hire people of color and women to give them those opportunities as well. So I, I, I see that as a different, uh, I mean, I saw it almost as soon as it got to, to Dallas. Well, Alex, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the pod and uh, bringing some insights and, and thoughts around the Fort Worth way. I guess my kind of last question, if you can uh, give us kind of your, what you're excited about for the next 40 years, you, you've, you said you've been here for 40, you know, what, what are you excited for the next 40 years? One of my favorite things you said during the panel, how you even think Tarrant County will be bigger than uh, Dallas County down the road. So just kind of give us more of your forecasts and predictions of what we all should be excited about. Well, uh, I think land-wise, we're, we're already bigger because we've got so much land up north. <clears throat> we annexed it. Bob Bowen did that when he was a mayor, and I, and I saw it happening because I was the area manager for TXU. Uh, Dallas city limit property doesn't have any really any more growth in it. We, we do population wise we're, we're catching up with them and, and eventually we'll, we'll surpass them uh, at the end of the day so I'm excited about that but I'd like some of those jobs to be inside Central City as, as we discussed but I hope that that conversation I, I had two negative comments two, two prominent gentlemen in, in, in this town came up to me and, and, and uh, one of them said I complained a lot 
uh, and I should run for office. And, and I didn't say this, but I was thinking, well, how does that get anything done? Because we, we've had a lot of city council people and still have the problem. So I don't know if that's the answer. But in the, the day, I, I think just the Fort Worth report doing what they did and, and, and even Betsy Price having the courage and just the, the grace that she has to come and speak because I think she probably took a, little, a couple of shots uh, at, at there. Uh, but having that discussion and having that room, room full of people to me says that it's something that's needed, mm. that I think it's something that people are craving. So we got to figure out how, how do we do more of that and, 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 and really have time to listen and, and uh, to each other and respect each other. And, and you know, my comment on the, the people that work for the city, uh, uh, getting out of their comfort zone, going to the east side and the north side and south and west side. I mean, I, if they worked for me, I would say, I want you to go out there and meet with people. I want you to be out there in those locations four hours uh, at each location a week, which is, what, 16 hours, and, and and learn what's going on because I think it'll make them stronger in, in their business. So I see that uh, uh, as a big positive we can get people to come to these look around the inside loop 820 and have these dialogues, you know, what you're doing with this eight, eight seventeen podcast. I think we just have to do more and more of it, but I would say we need to do it respectfully because if, if we lead in, if you, you notice, I, I said, I did, I did not use uh, racist. I did not use that word that I used that, uh, bias and prejudice because we all are biased and prejudiced. But if, if you use that word, it shuts off conversation. You know, the, the, the folks that, that were calling that turn it off, that they put that wall up. But if we go in there and say, how do, what do we do together? To make this place a, a, a better city for everybody, for, for, for these kids that are coming up. How do we make sure that when they're our age, they can say, this is a great city. I had so many opportunities here. So I think talking and listening to each other, um, hopeful that maybe we can put groups like Dallas did together of business titans that can really look at the uh, holistic approach to this city about how do we hire more minority women-owned business, uh, minority and women. And, and, and get them ready to serve the city in, a, in some capacity. How do we do that? If we, if we can do those kind of things, yeah, we, we can avoid some of the problems Dallas had. You know, the, the, at one time, Dallas was a small city, and it grew and grew and grew. And then that's when they had um, – I remember them having fistfights at city mm-hmm. council. And, but they grew, you know. Uh, I don't want us to ever do that, but I think if, if we get ahead of the curve and listen to each other, include people of color, include women, include all, everybody, I, I think that what I tell people, I, when I had meetings, I always wanted someone in the meeting that didn't agree with it. So I could see, where, where is there a blind spot here? 
is there something I'm not seeing? And um, I, I think it just helps make you a stronger team if you can do that. So I, I think we'll hopefully this panel and, and the things that you guys are doing will get the word out. And, and maybe once we uh, we get the city and the school board to start working together uh, about how do we bring all these uh, communities together. And I think that's the key. If we don't, uh, we'll probably have some of the same growing issues that Dallas had. I loved getting to listen to him. He, I mean, I feel like he is a type of person that in our uh, current state of extreme partisan politics just like doesn't really exist anymore um so i love hearing about all his experience and i'll echo like him giving the shout out to betsy price like she took some shots that i'll say are probably deserved um but you know she had a lot of grace showing up to that panel uh even and even participating because there's really not anything for her to gain out of it, I would say. Um, and I think overall, like I, I am glad that the Fort Worth report had the idea and is executing on holding these types of panels because like he said, they are conversations that need to happen. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, he said he endorsed Jeanette Martinez, an executive administrator for count, County Commissioner Roy Brooks, who is running in District 11. Uh, we're going to have a longer conversation around all the uh, election stuff next week. Um, but yeah, I thought he was good. The point that I thought was really humorous and it went back to the Visit Fort Worth stuff was, yeah, you can't keep having events where you have like 1,200 people there and the same 1,000 or the same mm-hmm. people. And then you just keep doing that over and over again. You know, I thought that was a, a pretty good take from him uh, as well. And, and, and how he talked about uh, the difference between Dallas and Fort Worth with Dallas, it was more hand-to-hand combat. Dallas, you can get into the room. Fort Worth, he was like, actually, I don't really know how you would do that. I don't even know where these people connect. Mm-hmm. And this is someone who's been a part of things for 40 years. So um, I thought this was great insight uh, for us and uh, re- really excited to stay in touch. Yeah. Are you ready to move into wins and losses? Let's make it happen. I'll start with my loss. Um, My loss. So we were hanging out last night. Um, You know, we were staying at the Kimpton Harper and like downtown was feeling vibrant. You know, like there's just a lot of cars out. Um, It's full. Like the hotel is full. It feels like there's a lot going on. But then like the moment you step outside and we walked from the hotel over to the uh, South Main moment you step outside like there's nobody walking around you know like Mm -hmm. it feels dead and uh, I realized that the convention center is a very big um, roadblock to connecting downtown with South Main and like you're walking along there and it kind of feels like oh should I be walking here like is this sidewalk? Is this loading area for the convention center? Like, mm-hmm. am I in the right place? And then why did we redo the Hemp Hill uh, tunnel and not the South Main one? The Hemp Hill one kind of leads to nowhere. The South Main one is where all the action is, where we yeah. put in all this investment. 
Uh, and still, like, we walk there and back. We're walking around South Main. And, like, we're the only ones walking. And it just really hit home for me that, like, we are so deep into our car culture that even on what was a busy, busy Saturday night in Fort Worth, you step outside a building and it just feels dead. And I feel like that is a culture piece that Fort Worth needs to figure out for long-term growth and feeling like a big city. Yeah. No, 100%. And it's crazy what South Main feels like. It, it When you add in, what's the Italian restaurant? Trey Mowgli's? Trey Mowgli. When you add in Trey Mowgli's, the size of Spaghetti Warehouse, that thing is huge. <laughs> <laughs> and then you add, now there's a Soma winery. Mm. The amount of fur vests and cowboy hats I see in South Maine now is, it, I mean, like, I thought it was going to become a more grungy, like, it was going to be more like the, maybe like this night could be bad, but like the deep Elm version of Fort Worth, or is a little bit more grummy, grimy concerts. But now I'm like, shoot, I got to go back to West Magnolia to just, you know, hit the boiled owl or chat. Yeah. I'm like, this is so stiff and stuffy. Yeah. And so, like, that's kind of a mind-blowing kind of It happened character. fast. Yeah. Like, like, I feel like it took a decade for West Mag to get to that point. Yeah. And maybe it's because there was even more city investment into South Maine, but it it happened so fast. Yeah, like I mean, I mean, you got valet for Trey Mulgey. Like now it's like, whoa, what happened to you know? Why are we valet in Fort Worth? Like what happened to this energy? And it's just, I mean, and then you see, I mean, again, I've ate there. I'm not knocking the food, whatever, whatever. Like I've been there, but it's just like now you walk out to a different arena because now these people who can afford this like fancy Italian place goes to Morgan's Ice Cream, goes to Nickel City, goes to these places, and it's just. It changes the environment of what Hot Fusion felt like before mm. everything showed up. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, so I, I can I can see that loss as a whole. But um, and uh, but hey, Fort Worth has become what Fort Worth needs to be. Um, my loss, I don't I don't know if I have like a crazy loss. I, I've seen a couple. Um, I mean, I guess I would go with my loss is more like the conversations around the police force. Um, I saw this story in the Dallas Morning News about the department looking to ease hiring crisis. Now, they're talking about the Dallas Police Department, but I would imagine I'd be loving to know what's the Fort Worth Police Department's numbers. But it's just talking about how Dallas police um, losses versus recruiting. I mean, in 2013, they had 3,500 police. Uh, in 2021, they have 3,000 police. So um, the, the the amount of energy we pay, we, we do to hire police uh, we are losing police two years in a row in Dallas. But I thought what was also interesting about the story, um, it said, I mean, this it was in Wednesday's paper, February 15th. It said that currently about 27% of the sworn officers in the department is eligible to retire. So I also then started thinking about that funny story where there's like, they talked about this 99-year-old Fort Worth officer. Did you see that in the paper from no. Parker County? It was like the lo- longest standing uh, police officer, 99 years old, and it was this guy. I'm like, man, they're trying to keep all these people from retiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess my loss is just like, you know, we 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 spend a lot of money on police. It's our number one cost with our tax dollars. And um, we're not talking about how we can't even actually fund and sustain because it's, it, it, and to me, unable to hire when money is not a problem 
is a showcase of how it's an outdated way of doing things. Mm. You know, so, um, but yeah, that's my loss. What is your win? Uh, my win, I guess it's almost kind of like a win loss. Um, but my win is that for us as uh, residents of district 11, like you mentioned, district 11 is definitely going to be the most hop in of the city council races, the excite, the most exciting race, the most exciting. So I, I am, I'll, I'll give it my win as like new district and people are jumping in head first and they're excited. Um, that kind of goes hand in hand with a loss of like the other ones aren't as exciting. And I have a feeling that voter turnout is going to be very low. Uh, I mean, we've got three incumbents in uncontested races. Uh, so kind of a win loss combo there, but my, my win being that district 11 is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm excited that we get to be like in the middle of seeing these candidates, uh, really take hold of a new district, um, and how they can impact the city. I think 817 podcast should attempt to try to set up in our busy schedules, but hey, why not? Let's try to set up a District 11 panel debate for one of our episodes. You know, let's mm. let's get Christopher Johnson, Jeanette Martinez, uh, Ricardo Avitia, uh, Rick Herring, uh, Tara Maldonado-Wilson. Let's get them all together in a Zoom and just like talk about uh, District 11. That'd be cool. Let's start some fist fights the way yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex is talking about the Dallas Chamber. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Well, my my win, honestly, I, my win is in Mansfield, but I, I thought it was a cool story. Uh, Mansfield took a first step to a film studio development expected to bring more than 2,000 jobs. Um, the city's staff has been working with an entity named Super Studios Mansfield LLC for several months. Uh, it's a mixed-use development along the city's western border, according to the city documents. Mansfield City Council approved a resolution Monday evening last week that will allow the city manager to authorize a development agreement. Um, these are the kind of jobs that we're talking about. The studio will help fill the need for content for streaming services such as Disney+, Plus, Hulu, Netflix. Um, so it's a really cool kind of, I think, another scene of film. And uh, I think it's just cool that it's happening here in Tarrant County. Uh, Mansfield is growing. And uh, yeah, that's a Tarrant County place. So I'll give them a win. Perfect. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, honestly, I mean, it's been a lot of fun having all of these interviews and getting to involve a lot of people in these conversations over the last few weeks. Uh, we, as always, appreciate y'all support, appreciate y'all listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.